Today's topic relates to different modes of learning and how understanding the different modes of learning could reflect one's own personal educational philosophy. Hello and welcome to In the Classroom, an educational podcast making teaching and learning more transparent. My name is Benjamin Stewart at BenjaminLStewart.org. Today is July 16th, 2021. If you'd like to comment on today's topic, feel free to reach out to me at my Twitter handle at B-N-L-E-E-Z. You can also access the Discord community and voice your opinions there by accessing the link at my website at BenjaminLStewart.org. I want to get into what I'm going to refer to as modes of learning. This was really the key term that I used to search online to get some information to prepare for today's podcast. And what drew my attention to the term modes of learning was actually doing a prior broadcast where I was looking and discussing learning styles. And I just thought the term modes of learning actually for me personally is is a better way of classifying or calling what typically is called a learning style. But that's perhaps another uh, discussion. What I wanted to do here is to share some ideas about how others define modes of learning and in doing so, reflect on one's educational philosophy. What is your educational philosophy when it comes to teaching and learning, when it comes to your own teaching practice, when it comes to the, the activities, the types of activities that you design with your students in a way that they learn best? And how would you articulate that educational philosophy? So I want to get into the first way of classifying modes of learning. One way we can look at it is to think of it in terms of accretion, tuning, and restructuring. Now, accretion is defined as an informal assignment of the normal way that one learns facts and other information through some sort of daily engagement. Now, the presumption here is that learning occurs through appropriate exposure to the concepts to be acquired. And when I think about accretion, I also think about Paolo Freire's banking system of education. This idea that learning is this process of pouring water into a vessel, that information is being poured into some kind of reservoir, and basically students are more passive in nature and that they, they are learning basically from nothing. And this idea of accretion can also be paired up with this idea of restructuring, which is simply the retrieval of information. So if we pair together accretion and restructuring, this can be considered, quote-unquote, the normal process of learning. This idea of providing information to students and throughout the learning process, they go through uh, exercises that allow them to retrieve information that they have been exposed to. Now, the third mode can be uh, can also be considered called tuning, which is simply some kind of modification of constant and variable terms that one refers to in one's schema, in one's mental image of their understanding. We can look at it in terms of four different areas. Tuning can be seen as improving accuracy. 
Tuning can be termed as generalizing the uh, applicability of one's learning. Another aspect of tuning is to specialize the applicability. And finally, we can look at it in the sense of determining some kind of default value. How did the, the learning, the thing that we're looking at and trying to understand, what kind of historical perspective is involved? What kind of antecedents relate to the learning? What kind of cause and effect relationship perhaps would result to the thing that is being learned? And so looking at these three different modes, accretion, tuning, and restructuring, this is one way that you can articulate and explain the different modes of learning. Everything I'm talking about here today, I am also including in the show notes. So if you want to uh, refer to the literature regarding to the different concepts that, uh, that's, uh, that I'm sharing with you here today, feel free to do so. Now, a second way that we can look at four different modes of learning is to think of it in terms of quadrants. The first being a hierarchical individual emphasis which is simply looking at individual achievement. If we compare that to the hierarchical collective, then we also have an emphasis on the communal achievement or the group, right? Maybe achieving, achieving group goals. So we have this distinction between achieving individual goals versus group goals. The third mode, distributed individual, could be considered as an emphasis on the individual pursuit of unique interests with as much depth and breadth as desired. So now we have a, an idea, maybe a, a network perspective of the individual where perhaps the individual now is more autonomous, maybe is taking more responsibility of his or her own learning. In addition to Perhaps the teacher, if we're, we're talking about a formal educational context or other outside experts that are pro providing input to the learner. But we have this idea of a distributed way of looking at the learning process, but from an individual perspective. The fourth mode, distributed collective, places an emphasis on the, on, uh, the learning network, where success is determined by the learning community and its members and is based on communal interest and priorities. So here we have some kind of balance between trying to achieve at the same time group goals or network goals or community goals and individual goals. So we have the network analogy here that could also be extended beyond the community, even between communities where maybe the distributed collective includes not only a single community, but other outside communities and where maybe even individual members are members of more than just one community or just one team or just one group or just one organization, that there is a network involved that extends beyond a single network. So these, this is another way of looking at four different modes of learning, the hierarchical individual, hierarchical collective, distributed individual, and distributed collective. Another way we can look at modes of learning is to categorize them into two areas. The first, learning from the literature, learning from others. And the second, 
learning from personal experience. For me, this simply uh, looks at the way that we look at information. Maybe we get information from the literature. Maybe we call it the theory. And we also learn from practice. We learn from personal experience. And it's this relationship between these two learnings that I think provides a lot of value. If we are teaching a course that's more theoretical in nature, perhaps we introduce more practical activities in there to complement so that this relationship can exist. If we're teaching a course that's more practical in nature, perhaps it's uh, worth looking at bringing in theoretical concepts to supplement and to support the practical activities that students are participating in. But again, it's this relationship that students can make the relationship or the connection between the theory, what others say about a particular thing, and how they interpret their own experience through observation, through analysis, through reflection. Another way we can look at the different modes of learning, again, uh, categorizing these into four different areas, is to think of it in terms of teaching innovation, four modes of teaching innovation. So teaching innovation consists of, number one, a teaching method. Now, this can be termed experiential or uh, making, and it can be categorized as conceptual or analytical. So maybe when we are teaching, our methodology is supporting one of these two, experiential slash making, that is creativity. For me, uh, creativity and experiential learning uh, are, are very much related. And then the second, more conceptual or analytical. The second area could be considered the context of the participant. Okay, and we can look at two different areas, one being disciplinary and the second being interdisciplinary. So if we're talking about a particular course, disciplinary is going to focus mainly on the course content, the, the uh, content or the goals that are specific to a single course, whereas interdisciplinary would also draw on those course objectives and link it to other course objectives that students have either taken in the past or who are currently taking courses and trying to make connections between those two objectives, those two uh, those various uh, objectives that uh, that apply to more than one uh, particular course. So here we can draw on four modes of teaching innovation, looking at these two categories: teaching method and participant context. So the first being design thinking is going to place a focus on experiential learning or creativity and interdisciplinary actions or activities. A focused inquiry is going to maintain a focus on experiential learning or, or promoting creativity along with disciplinary activities. That is, maybe it's more specific to one course, one particular uh, subject, whereas design thinking is going to bring that experiential learning across a variety of different disciplines. The third mode, emerging trends, can place a focus on conceptual or analytical endeavors and perhaps is focused only on the subject area. 
So it's going to focus on a single discipline. Whereas new perspectives will place a focus on conceptual, uh, a conceptual teaching method or an analytical teaching method and will be interdisciplinary where variety of subjects are being uh, brought into the educative experience. So design thinking, focused inquiry, emerging trends, and new perspectives can be another way of classifying four different modes, in this case, of teaching innovation. The, the focus in this particular example is uh, to plant or to place these four different modes in, in terms of teaching innovation. The final way of looking at different modes of learning can be to consider different learning modes that require learners and instructors to interact differently. So it's really a way of articulating ways that learners and instructors interact. How do they interact? So number one, collaboration, learning with others. Number two, a discussion, talking about learning. The Socratic method comes to mind in that case, generating a discussion among the students or even being facilitated from uh, an instructor. The third mode, the feedback and reflection, learning about learning and providing feedback, even the, the teacher or instructor providing feedback through formative and summative assessments could also be considered uh, within this mode. Another mode called guided is the promotion of learning with an expert. We can also look at explicit knowledge, also promoting learning from an expert, whether it's the instructor or whether, whether it's an outside expert. We also have demonstration, presenting learning. This can be on the part of the teacher, the instructor, as well as students practicing uh, or demonstrating certain behaviors as part of the learning process. Another mode, experiential, that is the, the act of creating or making something, exploring, investigating. This all falls within this mode of experiential learning. And the final, learning mode, independent, learning by, uh, by yourself. This also speaks to autonomous learning and so on. Now, the last key terms that came to mind as I was pulling together some information related to modes of learning include the following, implicit versus explicit learning, intentional versus incidental learning, abstract learning versus concrete learning, analytical versus intuitive. This is coming from Dewey. And we can also see how instructors promote both declarative and procedural knowledge. As you're thinking about the different modes of learning, which of these best resonate with you? How would your description of your own educational philosophy include some of these terms that I've covered here today, or perhaps some other terms that have not been included in today's discussion? How would you articulate your educational philosophy in terms of how you teach and how your learners learn? How do you teach? Why do you teach? Where do you teach? When do you teach? Especially now where a lot of classes are being, on, uh, being taught online, students are engaging with the content as well as with others through online spaces. We also have this other, these two other ways of learning, thinking in terms of when and where. 
what kind of platform is being used in order to achieve the types of interactions and the types of learning that is expected for a particular subject. If you want to share your thoughts, feel free to reach out to me at my Twitter handle at B-N-L-E-E-Z. If you want to be a part of the Discord community, feel free to access the link at BenjaminLStewart.org. This has been In the Classroom, an educational podcast, making teaching and learning more transparent. Thanks for listening.